Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Mr. Lee Cohen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, but Rick, I can't tell you how bad I have felt all week for you and your family at Proust Pets because something awful happened and people generally don't do the wrong things, but when they do, man, it makes me upset, Rick. And for anyone who didn't hear what happened, can you share what happened at Proust Pets this week? Well, first, let me say that at Proust Pets this week and every week and every day, every hour, there are tremendous amounts of cool interactions with people, their pets, you know, looking forward, you know, taking situations that go from um, curiosity to maybe misplaced ideas as to what they want to do with pets and turn them into something that's really constructive and helpful and and gets people and their pets involved in something that ends up, you know, a social good. Right. You know, people at home enjoy their pets and and oftentimes throughout all these hard times it's been amazing to see how pets have like gotten people through it. They've been the band-aid if you will and Absolutely. we've been we've been like therapy. Like, yeah, and we've been like instrumental in trying to if there's a core value it's try to Let's make that as as cherished and as sacred and as appropriate as one can have that experience. The healthiest of fish, the cleanest of water, the appropriateness of cage space, the appropriateness of cage for this, cage for that. Well, you know, that for a very short moment, uh, that whole thing kind of gets picked up and dropped on its head when um, social deviants, if you will, uh, individuals that have – poor foresight or uh, or at least representing some of the the worst of the fabric of who you and I are um, and they came in and uh, in two separate cases one right after another don't know if they're related unrelated but had uh, two specific reptile oriented animals that were were stolen and um, it's put our whole week upside down um, and uh, we went public with it. It was kind of a, you know, a, a difficult choice to make because um, it's just one of those things when you want feel good to be feel good. Right. Um, it's not that good of a feel good story, but but it has helped. It's at least allowed us to track down, and we have pretty good understanding as to who perpetrated the crimes. Um, bad news is both animals, I believe, are. At demised at, at have have died at this time uh, due to improper care, um, and uh, it's something that we're working through. So we're working with the police. We're working with animal control. We're trying to at least you know put an end to this particular bad story, and and move forward. And hopefully through this whole process, at least a number of individuals can at least stop, think, 
and rethink, you know, any kind of bad behaviors that involve animals that maybe you think it's fun in games. It's not fun in games. No, it sure isn't. But uh, it's something that if people go to your Facebook page, they can get more information about. Now, Rick, this week we are going to have some good news stories about animals. And we've got the return of the folks from the Potter Park Zoo. I'm glad to say that they're opening back up and returning somewhat to normal. So we've got our friend Dennis Laidler, who is the education curator who's going to be in to talk a little bit about what's going on, what the plans are uh, for the Potter Park Zoo. And we've got Mariah Martinez, who is the community engagement and inclusion specialist. And she'll talk a little bit about some of the special programs that they've got going on and ways that they can bring some of the community in to appreciate the zoo that they've got. So we're going to talk good news, even though I'm sorry about the bad news that happened to you guys. The good news is um, the spirit of Lansing is still with caring for the animals. And that's what we're going to do this week on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. If you're out of the listening area, you can hear the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show live online. Go to 1320WILS.com and click on the Listen Live link. Is it time to get your dog spruced up for spring? Give us a call at 333-WOOF to schedule your dog's day of pampering at Doggy Daycare and Spa. All of our grooming services include customized shampoo and conditioning treatments, individual attention, and we never, ever use cage dryers. Our spa specialists only use patient practices, making your dog's grooming experience a positive one. We offer convenient appointment times at both of our locations in Lansing and Okemos. Call us at 333-WOOF, that's 333-9663, to schedule your dog's visit to the spa today. Doggy Daycare and Spa, where the hip pounds hang out. If you can't find what your pet needs on planet Earth, have you considered finding a new planet? Of all nearby curios, there is one world where pets reign supreme. A planet where bright blue aquariums stretch as far as the eye can see. Where fresh and saltwater fish of all colors dance before happy customers. A planet where tarantulas and toads dart just out of sight, peeking up from the undergrowth at smiling visitors. A planet where birds from half a world Away, sing day and night, calling out to curious shoppers. A planet where turtles plod along during daily treks to the watering hole. A planet with pet supplies aplenty, enough to care for any kind of pet in any home, with friendly employees to help you find just what you need. A planet made exclusively for your pets. Welcome to Planet Bruce. Don't just get a pet, get a Bruce pet. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, your number one source for information on taking care of your pets. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us a returning guest on the phone, although, boy, it's been so long since we've had him on the show that I sometimes forget that he's a returning guest. It's Dennis Laidler, who is the education curator at Potter Park Zoo. How are you, Dennis? I am fine. It's good to be back talking with you guys. Well, it's good to have you, too. It's a returning sign that the world is coming back to normal, that you are back at the zoo and educating everybody there is all about the animals. I assume that's what you've been doing. Yeah, you know, um, we did take a break, the education team, uh, because of COVID, but um, we've been back since February and getting things ready, and we're excited about, uh, one thing about, I guess, 
there's not a whole lot of benefits to a pandemic, but one of the benefits is that we were able to take a step back and look and make improvements on how we do things, and we'll be looking forward to how we do that over the summer. Well, Dennis, yeah, we want to get forward and seeing what's going to happen, but I did want to take a moment to just kind of go back since it's been since uh, near, you know, three quarters of a year that you've been uh, a change of plan. Uh, what have you personally been doing uh, through this process? Have you been at the zoo working uh, essentially a 40-hour work week? Were you on a furlough situation? And uh, uh, where where were you well, at? Well, I'll try to do this. It's complicated, but I'll try to do it as simply as I can and as short sure. as I can. So uh, the education team um, and the events team and all our fund development team, they all work for the Potterport Zoo Society, which is funded at a separate budget than the zoo itself, the animals, and that's managed by Ingham County and sponsored by, uh, funded by a millage and the a gate. So the society budget is different. So we had to make sure we managed that on the other side of COVID, we still had cash flow and stuff, so we were ready to go. Um, but mid-March, um, zoo, uh, zoo couldn't go to schools, and schools couldn't go to zoo. So um, in mid-June, most of the education team um, went on furlough till February of this year. So Was that um, you? Was that you? I'm, you, you know, the only no, reason I'm asking... Most of the education, I was I, in most of the education. Team. You've been with Potter Spark Zoo for a very, very long time and always been an ambitious worker. So what does... Dennis Laidler do <laughs> when he has time off. I, I got to imagine that was a that was a, a perplexing yeah, was, situation. It, yeah, it. Uh, um, yeah, because you know when you collect unemployment, you can't go in and volunteer, which is what I would have been my first thing. Now we were able to volunteer something that wasn't out of our do. Like we go in and work on gardens and help rake leaves, but other than that, couldn't do that. Um, you know, I, I did some on a lot of online training. Um, I was still able to because um, I'm part of. Uh, a national network of zoo educators and environmental educators. We, I did a lot of, spent a lot of time zooming. I can tell you that. <laughs> and then personally, I got outside and got more time outside than I normally get. So that was actually a good thing. So one, you got outside, you got to probably take a little bit of time for yourself, which is always nice and relaxing. And then you probably did a little bit of uh, personal enrichment education. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, one of the, yeah, so that's really, and that, um, and so some of the other education team, that's kind of what we all did. And so it gave us a, we normally, we're so busy doing the day-to-day stuff. We never can just stop, take several weeks to like, okay, let's rethink how we're doing this and how do we want to do this going forward because we have to keep doing the day-to-day stuff. So that's what I meant was there was a slight benefit to taking that break. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, let's let's get back on the saddle. Yeah. What has it been like and okay. how long has it been? And what are you, what are you doing <laughs> so far? Well, so... Um, the big thing when we came back, we came back in February. We had a lot of first of all things. You know, it didn't change that much, but you're just getting comfortable with your space and everything took a, a, a little bit. But um, the big thing was getting summer camp all squared away. Um, our summer camp, we weren't able obviously to do it last year, but we wanted to make sure we could do it this year. And it, we're doing a slightly reduced capacity, and we're following all relevant guidelines. But we're excited. Apparently, the public is too, because if people listening want to have their child come to summer campuses who they better get scheduled um about 80 percent of our classes are full or or 80 percent full so i'll bet um i'll bet but that's good uh, part of that's reduced capacity too but it's just that you know people want a chance and most of the time we're going to be outdoors and so it's so there's a lot of planning with that um rethinking how we do it um we're going to have more 
station staffed by interns and volunteers out to zoo educational at different animal habitats. So um, our goal is to have almost every visitor that visits the zoo have some um, human interaction, um, learning about our animals and the conservation work that we're doing, the animal welfare work that we do at the zoo. So that's what we've been spending a lot of time getting those things in. We got, we're putting together training stuff for them. And we have a record number of interns this year, um, but we're going to be able to use them. Um, yeah, because that's probably the thing that didn't happen last year. Yeah, we, we weren't able to do interns. So right, and so so probably there's a backlog of internship well, yeah, needed. Everybody yeah. that was accepted for an internship last year, we promised them a spot this year, uh-huh. and most of them took us up on it. Um, but we're using interns more with camp. Um, it allowed us to have some paid internships, which is the ideal way to go when we can. And I think because so many students weren't able to do internships last year and for a lot of degrees that are required to have an internship. So we also had a record number of applicants for interns. So um, it's a good problem to have unless you're one of the applicants. But um, we have a really strong pool of interns this year. So we're looking forward. They start on Monday. They start their training and orientation. So. What, what what are the uh, types of things, just in short, what are the types of things that you would expect as an intern that you would do for Potter's Park Zoo that that would uh, would would kind of well, create this kind of, of demand? Yeah, well, there's a lot of different ones. There's education interns. Um, there are interns that work with special events. There are animal care interns. I'm only interacting primarily with the uh, education ones. And, sure. Um, so our staff works with them. They'll be, um, there's three that, uh, internships that are primarily just working with camp. That's what they're going to be doing. So, but they all have the basic training. We'll give them background knowledge on how to engage with the public and audiences. In their case, they'll get class management. We have all kinds of, um, diversity inclusion training. We have, um, Red Cross first aid training. We have all the zoo COVID protocols, that kind of, background stuff and then there's foundational stuff um both a combination of online and in-person learning on interpretation techniques and those kinds of things to give them a foundation and then they'll be helping um design as one of their projects will be designing one of those habitat stations and um putting all the material together and then testing it with the public and then tweaking it and that'll be a legacy they'll leave behind that'll something that we'll use with volunteers going forward Mm-hmm. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Dennis. One of the biggest advantages to your internships are that you spend time with animals and you're outdoors. And in the summertime, that sounds <laughs> yeah, like exactly. that sounds like a really good place to be. So that, yeah, if you're if you're ever having a bad time, you're a little stressed. Just stepping out of the office and taking a stroll past a few animal exhibits or habitats um, brightens your day yeah, without doubt. No, no, no uncertainty there. Now let. Let's talk about some of the things going on with the animals because I saw a posting recently that said that one of the stars of the zoo is going to be leaving. I don't know if it's permanent or temporary, but the rhino is evidently been uh, is being brought together with a female rhino, and if all goes well, we're going to have some baby rhinos. Is that the case? Yeah. A lot, lot happened. You know, um, when Jolly was our, our, our first ever rhino born at Potter Park Zoo, was born in uh, December of 2019. It was a international event. It was 
it sort of blew up because he was born on Christmas Eve and it went on and went kind of um, viral, but that was a good thing. And he's very popular. Um, and, you know, the whole idea, it's like when, you know, that, that bittersweet feeling you have when a child goes off to college and those kinds of things. In this case, um, Jolly, of course, is um, since he was born here and his mother has been trained so well by our keepers and he's engaged with our keepers. They have a great relationship with him. But the goal is to, you know, the reason we have black rhinos here is to make sure the population doesn't disappear and also to help with the cover in the wild. So that means when we have opportunities to work with the other accredited zoos and aquariums in the United States that have black rhinos, that we um, there's a committee of experts that put together the breeding um, programs. There are only 53 black rhinos in zoos in the United States, so actually in North America. So um, when Jolly was born, he was one of four. There were actually, in this last 12 months, there were four black rhino calves born in the entire United States. So um, they don't breed until they're several years old, and they only breed about every three to five years. Gestation is 16 months. You're not going to get a big boost in a rhino population quickly. So that means whenever you have opportunities um, for breeding um, that meet good sound uh, scientific and welfare reasons, then we want to make sure we make those available. So um, we will be continuing to add information about where Jolly is going, but he will be leaving sometime probably this fall, and he's going to be going to an awesome uh, situation, which will um, we coordinate with the receiving zoo too. So they're not quite ready to make their big announcement on their end. So we, we let people know that he's going so that they can come out and get a chance to see him a few times this summer. Sure. Now, uh, yeah, we're excited. I, I always want the public to be reminded that this is a very structured uh, breeding process in that the goal is to have as much genetic diversity as possible. So much is taken yeah. into no matter what animal is bred at any zoo uh, to sustain as much genetic diversity as possible. Can you just comment on that for a moment? Yeah, um, accredited zoos keep incredible detailed genetic records. Every animal is entered into a database with its parentage and stuff. And, of course, with software now, it's pretty easy. We can check genetic relatedness, genetic fitness, and pair up the most genetically um, sound matches. Um, that's how it's done. Um, now, the other one of the reasons for Jolly to go now is that we also have a breeding recommendation for Phineas and Dopsy, Jolly's parents, to try and do what they did for and create Jolly all over again. So um, they're already starting to monitor her cycle. They have a monthly cycle. Um, so they're uh, monitoring Dopsy, the, our adult female, uh, Jolly's mom. And so um, that's another reason um, she's much more apt, much more apt to be successful breeding if she doesn't have her calf in proximity. So there's a, a whole series of things. There's like this sort of domino effect, a whole series of things that have to happen in concert and parallel to make sure all these things happen in, a, in the best possible way. And, and, and right now, what kind of facility space is there to accommodate rhinos? I, I, are, they separ are the male and the female separated part of the time, or were all three of them together? Well, the adult, yeah, the adult male and female are separate other than breeding because in the, they're not a social. White rhinos are more social. Black rhinos are solitary other than breeding or a mother with a calf. Uh -huh. Now, already Jolly and Moms separate themselves a little bit in the, the same enclosure, um, but the keepers have a, a, a multi-month plan to gradually increase that so that there won't. it's not like one day Jolly and his mom will be tightly together and the next day Jolly gets shipped off to another location. 
It's right. done in a very planned manner. Um, it, we use the, the research on it, rhino behavior that, um, that's shared by all the accredited zoos. So it's, we're not doing anything that hasn't been done before, and there's a really good documentation on the best way to do it. And do interns get involved in this whole process? Um, they may be involved with doing animal be- um, observations. We, we use interns a lot and sometimes volunteers, depending on what the situation is, um, because we only have so many bodies here and we have a stuff that has to happen with the animals every day. So sometimes when we have something like going on, they'll get a training, a radio, and um, they'll have a, a chart. And we have what we call ethnograms, or basically ways of charting animal behavior. Um, so, yeah, interns usually get involved with that. That would be more apt to the animal care interns. Um, but um, we sometimes go outside our normal areas of focus if we need extra bodies. Well, I, I hope that you are successful in getting uh, another calf uh, to be born. I assume that you'll do everything in your part to create the romantic mood for the animals yeah. and get well, that. They were both first-time breeders the first go-around, so hopefully it hasn't faded completely from the memory on what they're supposed to be doing. Um, well, my advice is... I want to also point out that one reason that Jolly going at a before he's of breeding age to another institution. Another benefit is that they have a few years to build a really quality relationship with him, with the keepers at his new facility. Right. That's why we were able to be successful with getting Dopsy pregnant. She came when she was four, and she didn't breed until successfully until she was 11. But the keepers worked almost daily with her to develop behavior so that she was comfortable with them. We were able to do ultrasound um do blood draws, all the kinds of things that we could monitor her health, help determine whether she was pregnant, all those things, monitor the pregnancy and make sure it was a healthy pregnancy. So getting the rhinos in a situation where we know that they're going to be paired up several years before the anticipated event um, allows for it to happen much um, better, much more success. Right. makes it less stressful for any of the animals involved, too. Gotcha. Dennis, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back from the break, let's talk about some of the other events that are taking place uh, at Potter Park Zoo and uh, some of the other programs for people to be able to take advantage of. And we'll do that right here on 1320 WILS. Like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash Pets. Upload your pet's picture or check out the silly pet photos that we put up there to get you through your day. Sally Babbitt wants to help you plan for your pets. So it's very important that as a pet owner, we take care of two things. Come up with a succession plan for who's going to take those pets and also come up with a way to fund that. Sally Babbitt will work with you to make sure your pets find a loving home in the event of your death or incapacity. Because we all know, for example, I have a a beautiful Great Dane and she's wonderful, but she also has some special health problems. So I understand that to have someone take her in is fine, but that's also a financial burden on them. And so I would need to think about setting aside maybe some money to take care of that animal and going further, how far do we go with our pet's care? when we're gone. Plan for your pet's future with Babbitt Legal. I am on West St. Joe Highway, 6005 West St. Joe. I am just conveniently located a quarter mile from the Big B. 
517-507-3306. We're Liberty Coins. We're right on the money. Where do you go when you discover an unexpected treasure? Come to Liberty Coins in Frandor. In March, a woman drove her elderly mother to the bank to deposit less than $100 of rolled coins into her account. When the teller opened the first roll of dimes, the top coin was silver. The daughter instantly knew at least some of the coins were worth more than face value. They left the bank to go to Liberty Coins. We paid her mother $1,500 for coins she had planned to deposit in her bank account. What treasures do you have that Liberty can help you with? Pick up a free copy of our Cash in Your Treasures brochure in our store or view it online at libertycoinservice.com. For 50 years, Liberty Coins and Frandor has been the right place to go. I'm Tom Colson reminding you to put cash in your pocket today. We're Liberty Coins. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been speaking this morning with Dennis Laidler, who is the education curator for Potter Park Zoo. And Dennis, one of the things that you haven't been able to do over the last year is get people together for events. So I've I've got a couple of questions. First of all, uh, the Falconer program that you guys had been doing, uh, is that going to be reinstated? And how quickly will that come back to play? Actually, Falconers has been going on. And I think in the next segment, Mariah from our staff will be able to give you, she's the one that coordinates that program. And she can tell you, she's done a great job of keeping that program going. Um, even with some of the COVID restrictions. Great. And what about the different events? I mean, there were usually yeah. in a normal year, you would have <laughs> boo at the zoo and you would have just well, a number we, of we, other things. Yeah. So um, a lot of our, a lot of the private events, we pretty much didn't do any of those, obviously. Um, those are a, a good source of fundraising for the zoo and they're often ex- wonderful experiences for families or organizations or companies to do a, a private event at the zoo. Um, and we really didn't do any public events during the summer. The first one, we couldn't do Boo at the Zoo the way we'd normally do it because of COVID restrictions and um, making sure the public was safe. So we changed the format and did our fall spectacular and actually had really good attendance. Um, it was all timed entry so we could regulate how many people. It was one-way traffic, um, those kinds of things. We couldn't do like a bull tunnel where people were in tight spaces and those kinds of things, but... The feedback we got and the response, I think people were just desperate to have a safe opportunity to do something outside with their family, and we had a really good response with that. Now, um, what about the for same this thing year? With Wonderland of Lights, um, you know, our Christmas lights, that's mostly outside. We normally do a few things inside. We just didn't do the inside version of stuff. Um, and again, time ticketing, one-way um, things, so we knew about how many, always how many people were in the zoo. We could help keep people... Um, but couldn't sit on Santa's lap and get pictures. But other than that, um, most of the Wonderland of Light stuff was able to happen. Yeah, what and the, we were very pleased with the response we got from the public and how supportive they were of the zoo by coming out to those events. I, I imagine uh, people are still interested in kind of having their own individual experience, which I can't think of a better place than the zoo to have that. Uh, but 
if they're really trying to enrich their their educational uh, experience, the knowledge that they gain going through there, the understanding of what uh, exhibits mean and, and, and the history of these animals, what's the best way that someone coming out can interact with the zoo if they're within a, you know, like a, a private group, the family's coming out, are there things that they can do ahead, or there is there information that's so at their disposal? The website. Yeah, so that's a good question, Rick. So checking out the website and what we have available, um, there's information about um, individual animals and those kinds of things. Um, we still, um, you don't have to have, um, buy your tickets in advance or get online and do that. Uh, the nice thing on busy days, um, if you've done that, you can come right in with hardly little to no wait. If you come up and it's a busy time, you may have to wait a few minutes um, just so that we, again, we have to regulate how many people are in the zoo, but that's usually not a problem. Um, so checking things out online first and planning your day that way is helpful. Um, and then, um, like I said earlier, one of our goals um, is sort of a vision of our zoo director, Cindy Wagner, is to make sure that um, we have more opportunities for zoo visitors to engage with a body, a few bodies when they're at the zoo by coming up and having um, educational stations set up at different animal habitats throughout the zoo. And over the course of the summer, we hope to have several of those available most, almost every day. So, um, and that, the nice thing about those is you don't have to have any particular time. As we get those worked out, we're also going to, um, animal care staff will be working with us. Um, and so um, we'll be doing some stuff where um, visitors will get a chance to um, have us interpret some of the things that keepers are doing in an exhibit. Like um, they may be setting up an enrichment event or they may be doing what we call um, target training or training the animal. Um, we train our animals not to do tricks or not to entertain, but we train for behaviors that allow us to take better care of them. I mentioned before with the rhino that she was trained to put her foot up so we could draw blood and check her pads and do ultrasound. That doesn't come easily. Um, some animals train better than others, but that requires countless hours of keepers working with those animals, um, usually behind the scenes, but sometimes we can do it so the public can see how we're doing the training and understand why we do the training. So we're hoping to be able to do more of those for the public um, as the summer goes on. Um, keep in mind, we're all getting back here. We're still working out the logistics on these things, but we're excited for being able to do that. I guess comment would safety uh, procedures. I'm thinking some of the more potentially dangerous animals and having having them trained to respond one way or another would probably help. Does does that come into play? Oh yeah, you know, like for something like the big cats, like the lions, um, you know, everything is what we call protected contact. We're never going to be going in the same space with them or within reach of them. But it's all done by positive reinforcement. So. If they're training a, a lion for a certain behavior, say putting their paw up against the mesh, so one, we can check their pads, and two, for some of the cats that get trained well, they'll actually extend their claws through the mesh so we can trim nails. Or they might go into um, what we call a squeeze chute or squeeze cage. It doesn't actually squeeze them. It just keeps them from free and able to turn around quickly. And then um, we can put a blood pressure cuff on their tail or um, maybe draw blood if there's a large vein in the tail. Uh, we may be able to put fly ointment on their ears with a long um, handle thing so that they don't get fly bites in the summer. All those kinds of things that if you didn't train them to do it, you couldn't do it without putting them under anesthesia. We can't put animals under anesthesia for routine kinds of things like that. So that training 
really helps us take better care of the animals and ensure that they have optimum welfare. Now, Dennis, when it comes to, like, Zoo Day and Zoo Nights, do you have those events coming back this year, and when are they coming up? Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Lee. Um, <laughs> actually, next week, uh, next Thursday, we have Thursday, May 8th, 13th, and then at three other dates throughout the summer. Once a month during the summer, uh, we are going to be doing what we call Zoo Nights. We can't do a large uh, wine and spine event like we traditionally would do in May because of COVID restrictions, but we're really excited. Um, these are going to be evening. They're going to be casual. We're going to have um, lots of vendors. We have both food and beverage vendors. Like for this first one on May 13th, we have Red Cedar Spirits. We have Ellison Brewing Spirits, Chateau Chantel. We have Pizza House, Texas Roadhouse, and the Potter Zoo, Potter Park Zoo Catering Department. Um, so, um, if you go to the website, you can check it out. There's going to be some sort of um, yard games and stuff, so you can eat, check out the exhibit to the zoo after hours. Um, and we're doing four of those um, throughout the summer, so that and each one's unique. So you don't. It's not one thing about Weinstein. It's a really special event, but it's it's all it's once. This each of these zoo nights will be a little bit different, a little bit different vendors, a little bit of different focus. So. We're really excited. And the best way is just to go to the zoo website and uh, check it out. Um, you'll, um, with your ticket, you'll get a chance to sample all the wonderful wares that will be there. And, and um, during this last three quarters of a year, has there been much enrichment on the website? I mean, has there been much improvement on that or redesign or, or embellishment? Um. Not really, because the people that would be working on the website are the people that work for us. <laughs> Darn it. Darn it. I, I just am that thinking that a, you know, it's an endless that, that, chore. That was probably the most frustrating thing about, you know, for the, the the group of us that were furloughed is that there was all these things we could see we could be helping with. And I, I got to, you know, I don't, I don't need to mention them by name, but we had a small crew that that didn't go on furlough and covered everything that had to be covered um, for those many months the rest of us were off, and they did an incredible job. Yeah, right. But yeah. only so much, you know. Yeah. You're only one human, yeah. and doing the job before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, Dennis, we've only got about a minute left, but if people are interested in uh, attending the summer camps that you talked about earlier, that you did say you got to do it pretty darn quickly because uh, space is going fast. How do people go about getting involved with the summer camp? What do they have to do? Um, just go to the website. Um, if you're not able to, you don't have the capability of doing uh, accessing online, um, you can call. Um, but um, the easiest way to do registration, or if you have trouble doing registration online, they, they can talk you through it. But um, the main thing is get on there and get a spot reserved because we don't have a whole lot of spots left. And we with, for there's three different age groups: um, first and second, uh, third and fourth, and fifth through seventh. Okay. And when they do it, how long does it last? Is it a week? Is it's it a, a month? It's a, it's a day camp. Uh, the classes are half day. You can do an all day option by taking two for the week. Um, they go Monday through Friday, nine to twelve, and one to four, or 
you're there. You can be there all day with that one option. So, okay. Well, Dennis, we want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, and we want to welcome you back. It's good to have you back involved with the zoo because it is a great learning experience for animal lovers. So, we really appreciate your time, and we look forward to speaking with you again uh, in 21 to find out how things are going. Yeah, I look forward to the next time. It won't be as long, I have to for sure. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, we've been speaking this morning with Dennis Laidler, who is the education curator from Potter Park Zoo. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Mariah Martinez, who is the community engagement and inclusion specialist for Potter Park Zoo, right here on 1320 WILS. If you can't find what your pet needs on planet Earth, have you considered finding a new planet? Of all nearby curios, there is one world where pets reign supreme. A planet where bright blue aquariums stretch as far as the eye can see. Where fresh and saltwater fish of all colors dance before happy customers. A planet where tarantulas and toads dart just out of sight, peeking up from the undergrowth at smiling visitors. A planet where birds from half a world away Sing day and night, calling out to curious shoppers. A planet where turtles plod along during daily treks to the watering hole. A planet with pet supplies aplenty, enough to care for any kind of pet in any home, with friendly employees to help you find just what you need. A planet made exclusively for your pets. Welcome to Planet Bruce. Don't just get a pet, get a Bruce pet. For the latest news and information on animal care, it's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us on the line another returning guest. It's Mariah Martinez, who is the Community Engagement and Inclusion Specialist with the Potter Park Zoo. Welcome back to the show, Mariah. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, God, it's our pleasure. You do so much for the zoo in terms of engaging the people in the communities. Can you share with our listeners exactly what it is that you do in order to bring some other members of the community into the zoo and get them involved with the animals? Yeah, so I have an awesome job to be able to go out into the community as well as bring the community to the zoo. And that can be for making sure that anyone feels welcome to come here to the zoo, but as well as me bringing the zoo to them, you know, going out into the community, doing programming um, that we provide for free, just so that everyone feels like the zoo is for them. Sometimes, you know, being in Lansing, people think, you know, the Lansing Zoo is for Lansing residents, but we're here for everyone throughout the United States, you know, and it's, it's awesome to let everyone kind of know that. And that's my job, and I love doing it every day. You know, I would imagine... Uh Certainly when you look at the ledger sheets, uh, that money that uh, makes it possible is coming from throughout Ingham County. And I, and I would imagine that to get the value that Ingham County wants out of the zoo, as for you know the people that are supporting it, I imagine it's important to kind of reach out to both rural and urban areas. Yes, exactly. And that's something that was important, especially when I came um, to work for the zoo in 2017, was that we wanted everyone, especially with the millage and things, I mean, people are paying tax dollars to, you know, help the zoo stay going and 
make sure that, you know, our animals are great and that, you know, our zoo and our infrastructure is amazing. And so it's only right that everyone feels welcome and that they have an opportunity to come here. So, yeah, being able to provide free zoo passes so that no one has to worry about the um, paying to get into the zoo, as well as us just going out. You know, some people don't have the time to come here and spend, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. So sometimes we bring the zoo to them. You know, we would bring help, artifacts, you know, educate them kind of what's going on with the zoo, but doing it in their area. I mean, we travel all over the mid-Michigan area. Now, one of the things, Mariah, that I'm sure you've experienced is that culturally, not all cultures are necessarily accustomed to going to the zoo or spending time and learning about animals, and others do. But it's got to be very satisfying when you see children of other cultures who might not have been exposed to it all of a sudden learn it and develop a love for caring for animals similar to the one that I've Obviously, you have. Yes, and you're absolutely correct. When I, that's specifically when I'm out in the community, I do have these conversations, and we go to specific areas and neighborhoods, and I'm able to have those conversations with families, and they actually do ask the question, you know, these these questions that a lot of people have on their minds. You know, what kind of treat? You know, how are they treated? Why why should I come to the zoo? You know, why is the zoo important? And understanding that we're an accredited zoo, that we have very high standards. And that, you know, we want you to come to the zoo so you can see these animals and be educated about our conservation efforts. Because how often, I mean, I've never been to Africa to see half the animals we have here, you know. And But to understand that we're doing something that's for, you know, not only the community, but for these animals. And to be able to talk to them in face-to-face and then have, like, a zoo contact, you know, not just, you know, the website telling you to come here. You know, the social media just saying, oh, come visit us, but having an actual person, you know, answer your questions and talk to you, I think has been really meaningful to the community. Describe an encounter that you would have outside the zoo. What would somebody experience if they came to one of those events? So, unfortunately, it's changing quite a bit because of COVID. Um, But where we're actually going to start back up is what I will do is I go out into libraries, community centers, some schools, and these are all free programs. So, like, we're in, oh, goodness, over 20 libraries. So all these libraries you can actually go to when we have a program with them for free, come to the program, and you um, learn about the, I bring pulp and artifacts, you know, bring a nice visual, and something that um, before COVID they could touch and things and get that experience. But we would talk about the animals that we have. We would talk about the different things that we do, how they can be involved, because, you know, there's a lot of kids that have a love for animals, but they don't know where to go. They don't know how to enhance that love. Like, how do they, how do they help the animals? You know, I, you know, the kids I run into that say, I really want to, I want to be a zookeeper and I want to do this, but they don't know what are the steps. So I've been able to have conversations with them to say, you know, well, this is what I did as a zoo, you know, it was my zoology degree, but this is the other steps you can take. And these are the other places. And even Bruce is, I don't know how many times I've talked to people and said, this is, you know, Bruce Pets. Is an amazing place to, you know, um, you know, go put an application in for and, you know, try and maybe get a job there if you really have this passion and you have this knowledge because they don't know about it. You know, there's right. so many places that still don't know about the zoo and even like Purchase Pets. Yeah. Now, one thing that I'm just on an intimate level when you're in these events, mm-hmm. how do you work with um, like phobias? I, I just noticed that mm-hmm. depending on the whether we refer to it as cultural or just experience within the the family network that they have, you know, some have, you know, complete fear 
of something like a snake, mm-hmm. and then others are are madly curious. Is the is the children are the, are the ch- children generally always curious, and it's just as you get older that there tends to be these phobias, or does it seem to be kind of a uh, you know just depends. In my experience, in the last few years, the children are very curious. Um, they're very open to usually when we used to have touching of animals before um, COVID, they would want to touch. Some don't. Some just want to look. But the the parents, it's going to be honest, I've had many parents walk out, you know, I'm not doing this. The snake is not, ha-, you know, they, they do have phobias. And But, of course, you know, I think that's what helps when we're educating so young. We can, you know, help them not have those phobias as they're older. But I go, um, I, I teach some younger kids every week, once a week, and I show them a, a uh, tarantula shed. And there's some kids that they have to, like, close their eyes. They open it up for a second. So, you know, and every week it's getting better. Uh-huh. But for some reason, it just takes some time. And they always have stories, though. There is always a story behind it. <laughs> Either, you know, the parent told them that, you know, they, you know, they were bit by a snake, you know, or there was, like, oh, the spider. You know, there's always a story behind that, their phobia. <laughs> Well, that's understandable. Now, one of the things that uh, I don't think that phobia is the right word, but that I know you're involved with as far as inclusion goes, is your program for working with the autistic kids, uh, the Falconer program. Talk about that program and how you were able to keep it going. Yeah, so Falconer is, is in the last few years, has been expanded to um, those with all different special needs and special needs and unique challenges. And it's for adults and children. I mean, our youngest, is, I think, is two, and we, our oldest participants in her 50s. And so, we know, we have this wide range. And when we, when we close, well, we didn't close. We closed down until June of last year. But during the summer, we decided not to do falconers. And my families were like, we really want to come. So when I was brought back in August, we made sure in September that we had falconers. And it has been amazing. The families just love having that time to themselves. They love to be able to walk around the zoo, not have, you know, tons of people around because some are still, you know, still some are very, don't, don't want to get COVID. They don't want to be near too many people. And, you know, just because COVID happened doesn't mean that their sensory um, difficulties haven't gone away. So they still need that time in the zoo without, you know, a ton of people. They still need to be able to kind of enjoy the zoo without worrying too much about um, their having a sensory overload, which can happen because of people, the animals, the smells, everything. So we offer different types of events every month to accommodate those. Well, Mariah, I'm afraid we're out of time, but we can't thank you enough for what you're doing in a time when communities need to come together. It's going to take people like you bringing them together. And so thank you so much for all that you do. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was our pleasure. And Rick, uh, we're out of time for this week, but we can always talk next week here on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. So on behalf of my co-host Rick Pruce, our producer Grant LaFave, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend here on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And please take good care of your pets. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, got some ideas for a show? Questions? Maybe suggestions? Just email us, mmpets at 1320wils.com or message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mmpets.